Network of the We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley, and I'm here with my partner Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, Zyawa. Take a look at the new Tatula Elite Reel, you'll love it as much as we do. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 anywhere you get podcasts to listen to. We cover them all. Don't forget the podcast is always available at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced at Berserk Productions in Lando Lakes, Florida by our buddy Brad Nierman. Uh, Dave Kranz and I are in separate studios. We ship the audio down to Lando Lakes. Brad puts it together. He is one fine executive producer, that Brad Nierman, let me tell you. On today's show, we welcome from St. Croix our friend Dan Johnston. We're going to visit with Trey McKinney. He won the Bass Cat Classic on Lake Chickamauga. Uh, a brilliant young fisherman. Definitely enjoy talking to him. And uh, a little later, I'll get to talk to the best bass fisherman on the planet, the one and only Jacob Wheeler, coming off a big major league fishing win on uh, Berkeley Stage 2 at the Lake Travis down in Austin, Texas. Another 100000 in the Jacob Wheeler bank account. It seems to happen just about whenever you look at the standings. He's right there. Great job, Jacob Wheeler. But first, let me turn it over to Dave Kranz, who is going to bring on Dan Johnson from St. Croix to talk about baits. Take it away, Dave Kranz. And as Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this episode is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And we welcome back Dan Johnson. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. Uh, that's good to hear. Hey, we're today, I think, uh, you know, so many people... Uh, trying to decide what size bait do they use big small medium tiny micro and and it can make a lot of difference so today uh lure sizes or bait sizes if they're using live bait but uh, a lot of factors there isn't there a lot yeah there's no question and it, it, it is a it's a good topic because a lot of people probably did pause when you said that thinking you know I wonder what really does determine that. And really, there's a lot of things. So we can take this anywhere you want to go. But I think the first place I would start, really, and I'm not going to say regardless of species, because a lot of times musky baits are musky baits. You know, it's big stuff. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that for big fish, we need a big bait at all. Look at the med rig. Uh, but in some cases, it can be the case where we want to throw something bigger for bigger fish. I'm talking about crappie, bass, walleye, and all those categories. Um, but more specifically, I think more times than not, Dave, it relates to what the fish are naturally feeding on. I, the best example I could give you would be shad. Um, even more specifically, shad in the spring versus shad in the fall. And the size of those shad themselves absolutely drives our lure size. So we could restart there or wherever you want to start, yeah, but it no, is a great topic. No, that and there's different different uh, types of shad, too. You, Threadfin, gizzard, you got different ones and at different stages. And, and you know, uh, we never had them in northern Illinois in our river system until I think about 10 years ago. And they came up from the Mississippi into the Illinois and, and, and they came up on flooding years. And with them, 
the the uh, we saw more eagles because they followed the shad below the dams and things like that. And I think many times the eagles help transfer or uh, transmit those shad to the next level above those dams by picking them up and they wiggle and they get out of their their talons and they drop them above the dams and there you go. All of a sudden you start seeing shad. But um, what what a uh, a great thing it's been for this fishery and and uh, so yeah let's 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 go there because it's not always. Uh, you know, everything feeds on them, crappies, bass, walleyes, uh, the muskies. But, uh, you know, why, why um, uh, and, and it wouldn't be necessarily be water temperature or time of year or anything that you small or big, but is, is there a, any kind of rule of thumb at all as to why you would throw a smaller bait? Yeah, to, to, you know, right after the shad spawn, um, and there's times when, there's times of year in the spring of the year where the shad are smaller, where they get in little schools and you can just really uh, see them because they disturb the water on the surface and you can throw everything under the sun at them and you can't catch them and you can see fish blowing up on them and you throw a regular size spook in there and they won't touch it. But what happens when you put a baby pop R on or as a fly fisherman, a little bait called a clouser minnow, which is, I just let a secret out of the bag there, but a little dumbbell bait with a small hook and just a little bit of hair on it. And you try to match that, you know, fly fishing, we've matched the hatch for years. And, and I think bass fishermen and even crappie fishermen are, are thinking that way more and more. I don't think years back they did. And I think we all learn the hard way by thinking you don't know anything by throwing everything in the tackle box at them. But what you got to realize is they're 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 keyed in on something small. And I would say the same thing about a mayfly hatch too. That's a classic example when smallmouth get on those, and they're keyed in. And it, it, now everybody's figured out to throw a little hair jig or a little power power bait with a small tail on it to try to match that thing. But you can throw other things around them; they won't touch it. That's another great example, but you know, and, and into the converse of that fall of the year, giant gizzard shad right on the rocks, we're throwing topwaters that are like mini musky size for largemouth. So the, the bait really can drive lure size to a large degree in terms of the, the strategy behind what really makes sense. Then there's the other side of the coin where you want to throw something big and ugly because nobody else is. And I'll tell you, there's times a real good friend of mine, Rick Miller, his dad, God bless his soul, he's deceased now, told me one time I was practicing for a tournament. He told me to throw this big, giant, gaudy yellow jig with a giant Kalen's five-inch tail on the back of it. And I caught three, four-pounders down a bank, and I went back to him and said, Marv, why did you have me throw that? He goes, because I knew nobody else would. And I started laughing out loud. So, the, the, you know, we can overthink it sometimes too. But but I think more of the the more the more uh, uh, reasonable way to look at it is to is the prey predation aspect of it and try to kind of I would say match the hatch. Yeah. So, uh, and would that apply to crayfish and minnows and everything else for size? Or I mean, sometimes we don't know what size they're feeding on. So we fish for an hour. And we've got a medium-sized bait on, go smaller or bigger and see what happens, right? Yeah, cray, crayfish, you know, here's two things I would say when we're going to a fishery. Number one, be on the shadow of it out, even over bottom substrate, is what do they feed on? Are they ciscos? Is it a crayfish lake? Is it bluegills? Are there shad in it? Find that out because that drives size and it also drives color. But with regard to crayfish, sure, there's different size crayfish swimming around. Color is even a bigger factor because if people listening out there research 
the, the, the concept of the molting of the crayfish and the different colors they get. And there's certain regions where crayfish are almost blue. And there's other ones, obviously, there's a lot of different red tones in there. But size can matter on that, too. So it's not as easy as just saying, okay, there's, there's, there's shad in the lake. Let's just throw a shad bait. Um, the size is important. And, and with, with crayfish, that's important, too. Bluegills, if you're researching a bluegill lake, are there a lot of little ones in there, those perfect ones that are three inches long? Are they in there? You don't think they won't hit a red eye shad or a, you know, a, a 2.5 or, or anything like that when those bluegills are that size. These fish are in there feeding for a reason. We might as well make it easy for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, this would also apply to not only lures, but for those that fish live bait for crappies or walleye or, or uh, you know, any other species, correct? It is correct. And there's a couple times I'll throw a big bait for crappies. Um, you know, obviously if there's big crappies in the lake, I mean, that's, that's a no brainer. I'd rather get five bites of the right ones than 10, six inches to try to grab the tail of something. Sometimes you throw something too small, that six incher will get it. And there's a 14 incher right behind him trying to get it. God made little ones faster for some reason. I don't like it either. <laughs> Bluegills are that way taking night crawlers away right in front of a three pound walleye. That's probably the best example I could give you. But, you know, when we're looking at the size of a crappie bait also, I will use, and this is bass too. Sometimes, Dave, I'll use a bigger bait so they can find it. For example, I'll use a bass example. There's times I'll throw a great big giant square bill called a big O or a big Jim, or there's a bunch of big ones on the market now, not necessarily because I'm targeting big fish, but the water's off color and I'm trying, they can feel that thing. They can find it. And when I bang that thing off a stick, it hits a lot harder than a 1.5. And if the water color dictates that, or if I have wind and they're really biting, but it's dirty water, I'll throw a bigger bait blades on a spinner bait are the classic example of that especially painted blades in off-colored water bigger's better or a great big uh uh copper colored one or brass colored one in uh, uh a dark day that type of thing you know it just sometimes it's a matter of them finding the bait and then other times it's matching the size of the bait they're feeding on yeah and you touched on it earlier about the the size uh you know i'm not a musky fisherman i have never fish for musky. I, I fish for bass, but I've caught 87 muskies all on bass baits. And most of the time it's a buzz bait, uh, a rattle trap or buzz bait and rattle traps are the two I've caught the most on. Well, a spook uh, for bass, a full size are spook, uh, top water. And those have all been good musky baits. So it's not always going to be the biggest bait's going to catch the biggest fish because we've all caught a, you know, 14 inch pike on, on a great big bait too. So, so these fish, I, I don't know why, but sometimes I think they're 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 trying to, to attack something they couldn't even swallow if they wanted to. But they uh, uh, so so the size. Uh, I guess the point is not to be afraid to throw bigger or smaller because it, I think you're spot on with the hatch is the most important thing. What what are they actually feeding on, and how to find that out? I you know check some local fishing reports, or you know if you're going somewhere on a trip, maybe ask. Uh, ahead of time hey what are they catching well what are they using and 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 try to figure out the size of these baits that would be better to use is, is there a uh, uh a general rule of thumb for size of say topwater baits oh for me absolutely i mean i throw smaller in the spring and bigger in the fall beyond the shadow of a doubt now there's there's times like i said we're throwing stuff in the fall where we're running 50 pound braid on it i mean big big stuff um, but I would also say that there's times when 
finding it's important too. Like if your water is a little off color, uh, here, here's an example. Um, there's times I'll use a small bodied buzz bait with a giant blade on it in off colored water simply so they can flat out find it. The bait fish might be small, but if I throw that little one that barely sputters water, you won't get a bite on it all day. And you put on a great big blade with a clacker on it, and they smoke it, even though there's feeding on small bait fish. So generally speaking, we're throwing smaller topwaters in the spring than we are in the fall. I'm talking about late fall, like in Iowa and Missouri, it's in, in the December even, late November. Um, but that's pretty much a rule of thumb. But I would also say that springtime deal you really need to be cognizant of it because sometimes you go too big there, you flat out won't get bit. You know, that's always good information, Dan, and I thank you for being on the podcast again and look forward to talking to you next week. Oh, my pleasure. Look forward to it, Dave. Excellent. That was Dan Johnson brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that everybody that I have on this program has a passion for the outdoors. And the next young man we have on, Trey McKinney, has uh, been on the program before because he's... Uh, He's won quite a few things, USA Bass and Next Generation National Championship, I think three times, and uh, you just won a boat with your uh, coach, Rick Feedham. Uh, welcome back to the program, Trey. Hi, how you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, boy, the uh, uh, the Trey McKinney train keeps keeps rolling. You guys, uh, you, you just won a boat, and that, that was the Bass Cat Classic? Yes, sir. Awesome. So uh, uh, for the people that don't know who you are, uh, why don't you give a little background on yourself uh, and, and tell them uh, you're, um, you're a homeschooled high school student right now, correct? Yes, sir. I'm a sophomore and I'm 16 years old. I live in Southern Illinois. And uh, anytime I can be out on the water, I'd love to be. And basically just goes from there. And for full disclosure, you people that can hear the birds in the background, it's because Trey's on the water right now because, you know, what do you do to get better? You keep fishing. Isn't, isn't that correct? <laughs> oh, hopefully. Yeah, 
play. I'm, I'm gonna put in my time. So it can work. There you go. Okay, tell us tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, uh, I started when I was a lot younger. We started. I met Rick Cheatham, and uh, basically started in the juniors, and we started doing defense. We fished a few qualifiers, and we ended up winning. And it's like, man, this is this is this is interesting. I kind of like this. And we started going for more, and we started fishing state championships. And I made it to my nationals my first year of fishing junior. And I think we placed like 12th or 13th. And it's like, man, that, that ain't bad. That ain't bad at all. So we come back and it's like, well, let's come back stronger. So next year we ended up qualifying for it, and then we ended up winning. And there, that the bowl just kept rolling. I mean, it was great. We went to the FLW, won that national championship. Then we fished the next generation. And uh, we've ended up actually winning that for three years in a row now. And uh, basically now we're fishing in high school and trying to qualify for everything we can in that. And then we happen to so qualify for the Bass Cat Championship and drove ourselves home with a boat. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about the days on uh, how many days did you have to fish to win that boat? We put in our time. Well, that's what we'll, that's basically all we can say. We went down there from the, as many days as we could get, we're going to get. Like, I think we ended up getting like three or four days for practice. And uh, we spent every day on the water, daylight from dark. You know, I mean, we seldom ever go to lunch. We always just stay out on the water, pack us a few sandwiches, and call it good. And uh, this trip was pretty unique. We had uh, we had motor issues the first. Then we actually had battery issues, or the charger. We actually somehow managed to... It was a bond or a fuse, so we ended up having to drive to Knoxville. And we just had a lot of complications, and then we had a shift actuator go in on our motor. So we had to get that fixed. No biggie. Got back on the water, and it wouldn't start first morning of the tournament. And uh, we were everything was nervous. We were like, man, we need this. We had, we had a little bit of everything going. We had an early morning bite going. We had a dock bite offshore. And we could even see a few up on the bank. So it was, it was kind of that hopefully let's get out there really early and get a few bites for a morning bite. But therefore we didn't get on the lake till about 10. And, uh, we finally ran to our first spot and ended up catching. I think we, I first spot we pulled up in, I caught a four and a half pounder and it just kept on rolling. I think we ended up with like 1790 something. So almost 18 pounds. And, uh, it was, it was nuts. And then the second day was chaotic. It was, I, it's hard to even explain the adrenaline rush that could go through our veins landing that nine two on uh, eight pound line. And it's, it's, I don't even, it's, I don't even have words for it yet. It really hasn't even sunk in because, uh, the way I caught it is, is I kind of saw something as we went by and I was like, Rick, let's back up. Let's see that. And sure enough, she swam, she wasn't locked on a bed, but she was kind of, she was just kind of roaming out here. And so she was really hard to catch. We tried to catch her every, every way in our power with something other than eight pound line, just because of that big a fish, you never, there's too many things that can go wrong. And uh, so we finally, I was like, you know what, let's just back off and I'm gonna see if I can catch her. So I rigged up my little finesse, eight pound line with a Legend X 610 medium light. And I threw it as far as I could up in where I kind of thought she wanted to be, kind of that sweet spot. There's always, when you're fishing for a fish that wants to go somewhere, there's a sweet spot somewhere. If you find it, that's gotta be your highest percent chance, pretty well always. And so I let her swim back up there after we kind of, she, she spooked off for about three to four minutes. And we were kind of nervous, didn't know if she's going to come back. And here she come real slowly, real slowly up there. And I was getting nervous. I was like, no, I think she's coming from my bait. I, I actually, <laughs> I threw up, there's like three light spots up there. 
and I really didn't know which one she was going to be on, but I guess I guess I made the right cast on that one. And I sat there, and she eased up there, and I was like, oh, my, I don't think my drop shot's too far from her. That's what I told Rick, and I was like, man, she's acting kind of funny, so I give her a little shake, a little bit more shake, a little shake, and I kind of see her. It's a long way off. You can't really see her that good. You can just kind of see a, a black line, a massive black line. And so she kind of, she kind of, I saw her belly kind of turn up, and I was like, okay, this could get kind of good. And I shook it one more time, and she kind of made a quick, hesitant, and then slowly swam off the bed. I was like, Rick, there is no way. And it was just something was off with it. So I swapped into her, and then she took off. And it, I, I would say five minutes later, after running around the boat, running up and down the front deck, and trying to get her in without getting into the power poles, getting into the trolling motor, we finally got her landed. I swear that was the biggest blessing of the whole trip. It was unbelievable, the feeling, to actually catch one of them, just a dinosaur like that. Absolutely. A 9-2, is that the biggest fish you've ever landed in a tournament? In a tournament, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big one. There's a, there's a lot of guys uh, fishing professional bass right now that haven't caught a 9-2. <laughs> so that that's awesome. What? Uh, so that was a two-day tournament. What was your total weight? Uh, just a little over 40. Two good days, you know, that's uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, 20 pounds a day is normally pretty good anywhere in the country, isn't it? Yes, sir. I guess unless you're on uh, Fork, Lake Fork, uh, what's yeah. been coming out yeah. of there, that, that that's that's not the greatest. So what's uh, what are your aspirations as far as uh, tournament fishing? Is this something that you, you plan on doing the, the rest of your uh, your life as, as after you get done with school and going into it at, at a higher level? Well, we all got goals, and that would be that would be what Eric called dreams. That would be definitely for sure one of my top dreams to actually become and just inspire and become a professional angler, and which would be an amazing opportunity if we ever could reach that level. But we're always going to have back plans in store, go to college, get get a bachelor's degree or something of that nature, just to have a little bit of fallback. But I would absolutely love to be a professional angler. Absolutely. Now, what's your uh, what's your fallback plans for school? Do you know what you'd like to study in school at this point yet as a sophomore? I'm, I'm really leaning towards business just because a lot of people are interested in that. I learned how to sell myself, learn how to basically just be help other people just as much as I can help myself, like sponsors, anybody in that nature, and just kind of learn not the fishing aspect but the business aspect and all of it. So hopefully I can kind of lean towards that. Excellent. Yeah, at business and marketing in the outdoor world, and uh, you know, to work uh, in a in a at a company that's in the outdoor world would you know, hey, if that's uh, second fiddle to being a professional bass world, because as you know, it's uh, it's a small number of people that get to do there, but you you really have a, a good start on that. Then uh, um, you're not the only one in your family that's doing good, though, are you? You got your your cousins doing well out there too. Have you guys yes, fished sir. together? Uh, we do every once in a while. He's, we're, we're both usually busy. We're both on the road. And, uh, this year he's actually fishing Bassmaster Open and he's done really good. I think he's almost, I think he has cut a check in almost every one he's fished so far. So I want to congratulate him on that. But, uh, it's, we try to fish as much as, much as we can together, but usually we're pretty steady busy. So. Yeah. You're going opposite directions. And, uh, so what's, uh, what are you fishing this summer? Do you got anything coming up yet? Do you got the high school tournament coming up? Um, right now we're kind of at, I'm starting to, I don't really, I'm in that zone where I don't know, I'm trying to fall too many ways. So we're just trying to like 
get our minds clear on what I'm going to try to fish, what what is going to help me the most, and uh, we're definitely going to try to qualify as much as we can in high school, see if we can get to the nationals and everything like that. And uh, I might even start fishing maybe a few BFLs around home. So I'm just kind of kind of in that, I guess, gray zone on seeing what we should go for and see what which way we should lean. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know you're 16 years old. And those uh, you don't have to make any decisions real quickly. You got lots and lots of time. Um, yes, now, sir. now you fish this tournament with your uh, with your coach Rick Sheetham, correct? Yes, sir. And you've been fishing with Rick for how many years now? Several or more than that? Oh, I would say, I would say well over four years. Over four years, yeah. That's uh, that's great, and um, you know, uh, so you you want a boat, but. Uh, you don't need that boat. I think you're going to sell it, aren't you? Yes, sir. We actually we're in a Susan Elite Charger right now, and I couldn't be any more happier. And I think was I think that's our plan right now is to sell. There you go. And uh, you're in that Charger, and you also have some other sponsors, don't you? We might as well mention them too. Yes, that's true. We got Mercury Marine. We got Power Pole, and it, it's just the people that have invested and been behind me is awesome. We got St. Croix and. American Bait Works is a big one now. We, uh, they've got net bait and everything, and is awesome for actually in the tournament. The uh, dagger actually played a pretty big player on uh, some some fish we could see, and even just kind of finessing fish, making a long cast up there, blind casting up shallow, and uh, it's just it's wonderful what this business is. It's it's just hard words right now. It's it's crazy how how long how far we came from and what the future could hold. Absolutely. Now, um, I don't think we mentioned, what lake did you win the, the boat on? Where was the, the Bass Cat Classic at? It was Chickamauga. Chickamauga, okay. And, and that's it's normally not. a pretty good time of year to be down there. And, and uh, seven, eight, nine pounders are, are possible probably any time you fish that, correct? Yeah, absolutely. They've uh, actually, they started stocking Florida strain a little while ago. And uh, a lot of them have grown to be absolute dinosaurs and giants. So it's, uh, it's a great place to be to catch a big one. And it's got a little bit of pressure right now, but hopefully it can get a little bit of a rest and become a great, awesome fisher, which it is. Did you, uh, uh, on the tournament, did you weigh all largemouth or do you have some smallmouth? I, yes, we laid all largemouth. Okay. Were smallmouth a play for many of the other uh, participants? No, sir. It was, a, it was that time of year that you should be going after green ones, not brown ones, and that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. But, uh, yeah. well, I, I am... Uh, about a thousand percent that uh sure that we're going to be talking to you in the future and uh and uh you know hopefully uh you'll you'll keep me posted as to uh what's going on in your world with the winnings and and which ones uh, you're going to fish and and uh you know and i talk to rick quite often too so i'm sure he'll keep me a, a abreast of what's going on but i again i want to congratulate you guys and i i think it's uh awesome to to be able to do what you're you're doing at 16 years old and uh Trey McKinney, we will, we're going to talk to you again. Thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. I'd like to say one more thing. Sure. This is a belief of ours and uh, just what the Lord has blessed me with. And I just want everybody to know that. And, and I mean, there is definitely other ways you can go, but I can just, I can't express enough that faith and just being blessed could not, could not be a bigger part of my life. Uh, absolutely. And, and uh, I appreciate that fully. And, uh, Definitely uh, thank, thank you uh, for being on, and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you, sir. You all have a wonderful day. That was Trey McKinney, and this is the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Sarley is remote. 
And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner's name is Dave Kranz. He is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. If you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Our next guest has been on this show a number of times, and I don't even know how to introduce him anymore because I always say the nicest things, and, and I've run out of great things. And, and, you know, this guy has just been so impressive in his bass fishing career. Maybe the best way to introduce him is just saying, folks, here is Jacob Wheeler. Hey, Jacob, how are you? What's up, Steve? Everything's good, man. I, uh... Just got back home, hanging here for a few days, and then uh, getting ready for the next derby. But feels good to be home. Had to spend some time with the uh, with the wife. Mother's Day was right, you know, this last past weekend, so I had to go ahead and, and spend some time with them. And so I'll be getting back on the lake very shortly. You have one child, right? A daughter. What's that now? You have one child, a daughter. One one little one. We got another one on the way this fall. So. Excellent, excellent. Good news. That's that's. How old is Olivia now? She is uh, about two, almost two and a half. Wow. But, yeah. So she's she's getting up there. She's all over the place. She's running here and there and everywhere. And it's it's definitely uh, she she takes us. She's got she takes us for one every day. She makes us work for it. So. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's it just gone so quick. Though I've definitely, I'm super blessed. She's uh, she's got all the, the personality in the world. So it, you definitely could tell when she's happy and when she's sad. And she's uh, she's talking up a storm now. So it's it's I, we can't. She's just like her mom, sort of like her dad. Wait, you know, wait, 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 wait! Did, did you just say she's talking up a storm now, just like her mom? 
Yeah, our mom talks a little bit more than us the dad does, so I don't know. All right. I, <laughs> I, I, I talk a lot. I don't, I don't want you getting in trouble at home because I'm asking you the wrong questions and getting you getting you the same no. things about your wife. Oh. We're both we're both pretty outgoing, so we're pretty 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 simple. Pretty made pretty simple that uh, made sense that she's she's pretty outgoing as well. Well, I I, I know your I know your wife is your biggest fan. Your wife Alicia is your biggest fan. Uh, th- does your daughter uh, does your daughter Olivia two and a half years old realize what you do and get it as excited as you all get when you do great you know, like you just did uh, like you just did over here at uh, the stage two event you want at Lake Travis in Austin Texas? Yeah, I think she she you know she doesn't quite get it completely yet, but she enjoys she just knows dad and his jersey and his boat, and she could tell you know we pull her jersey out. It was so funny because we have a little jersey for her. And she's just like, dad ass, dad ass, dad ass. This is your jersey. So it's sort of fun to, uh, to have her in that. And then she, she definitely watches, you know, on live and watches, sort of pays attention to what's going on. Obviously, you know, being two and a half, she probably doesn't quite grasp what's happening. But uh, it's still cool. She enjoys going out on the boat, which is always great. We haven't really, I don't try to. Try to get on the fishing thing. Yeah, she's still a little ways away from from. She can reel one in every once in a while. She likes fishing rods and she likes playing with tackle. But we're gonna wait for, until I, I get her too too caught up out there in the boat. That is so cool. And and best best of luck to to you and Alicia with that second one coming up. I hope everything works out wonderfully for you. Thanks. Hey hey man, you know I said I didn't know how to introduce you, and I, I normally would introduce. Ah, I hate to be repetitive, but I'll go back and say. The best fisherman on the planet, as declared by uh, www.bassfan.com, which seems to be the authority on this. And uh, every time I go to bassfan.com, there is one constant, and that is in the top 10 list of best fishermen in the world. Jacob Wheeler sits on top, and he sits on top by a wide margin. Uh, I know you're a humble guy, but that's still got to just give you a thrill, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels good to, to know we've had, you know, I think that's a, over a couple of years span and just to know that we've had a really solid couple of years. And, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to limit the the bad finishes. You know, as an angler, you grow up and you learn and you you get to, you get to understand different parts of the country and different lakes and, and start to get better and better. And, and I think the biggest thing is I've just been fortunate not to make a lot of bad decisions throughout the couple of years. And we're just riding the wave and, and just continuing to work hard and, you know, as much as I, I love to compete and everything else and win, you know, I think it's uh, the biggest thing is just going out there and enjoying enjoying bass fishing and going after chasing these fish and and just staying hungry. I think that's the the biggest thing. So I I don't t- I don't tend to pay attention to that stuff really often. I just know I got the next one up and I gotta I gotta catch them just as good as I did the last one. Are you the best bass fisherman in the world? What's that? Are you the best bass fisherman in the world? I, I'm not. I'm not saying anything on that. I'm not touching that one. Uh, I, uh, hey, I'm not touching that one with a ten foot pole. I uh, many people have their own opinion on everything. I'm, some people they can think whatever they want to. I'm just. I'm just worried about catching a bass. So if I for, do that, I'm having fun, and that's really that all that matters to me. Uh, all right, you want, don't want to talk about yourself. Would Would you give an opinion as to who you might think would be the best bass fisherman in the world right now? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I look at a handful of guys that are consistently that I look at that have, have done really, really well. I look at like an Octifo, a Jordan Lee. Um, those guys really come to mind uh, up top. I'll tell you, 
Connell's a very, very good fisherman. Uh, Brian Thrift is a really good, you know, obviously a great fisherman. A lot of those guys that their way they process information um, and, and and figure it out uh, is is what's so cool about it, you know. And, and and we all sort of have our own little way of of preparing for an event. But I definitely would put those guys up there. I'm sure I'm missing a few. I won't I won't those. argue with you. And and you threw out four names, and and I think it's great because. Uh, I think you just uh, got about a hundred great fishermen really mad at you for leaving them out. So uh, th- th- this could this could make the next time you're at the dock a little bit more interesting. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It's a, I think I think everybody would agree with that, that that list of guys. I mean, there's obviously a ton of great fishermen. You're talking about the best and the best in the last three years. I think those guys come up there towards the top of the list. I'm, th- I'm throwing you under the bus by asking a question like that. It's really not fair. And, and, and you did throw out good names, and I'm sure if I through some more, you know, oh yeah, I should have said him. I should have said him, but but you didn't. And uh, every, everybody you fish against is good. And it would be unfair to say: is there anybody that you uh, uh, is there anybody that you fear when you're up against them on a, on a, on the last day of a tournament, uh, or is it is it you against the fish, or is it you against the fishermen? Um, you know, I, I think it's so funny because people always talk about you against the fish. And there is that mental side of last question that you do have to figure them out 100%. But there also is understanding you do have to play the field. You do have to play the the anglers and understand what where they're at. So I I, I, I wouldn't say I fear anyone you know, on the tournament waters. I, I respect a lot of anglers. I have a lot of confidence when I go out there in the water that I can be, uh, be the best out there that given day. Uh, but I, I, I always love a challenge. You know, so for me, it's not a, a fear by, by any means, but it's, uh, it's a respect. And you respect those angles and consistently catch them. And when you come up against them, you know it's not going to be an easy task. But that's also what's so much fun is to compete against some of these best in the world right out here on this BBT. And I hear on my lap, I, I enjoy the heck out of that because I know that I'm fishing against some guys, that top, top tier guys, and I don't have to deal with them every day, which ultimately really pushes, pushes you to make better decisions, pushes you to become better because when you have to compete against the best um, in the comp I, you end up getting your butt kicked plenty of times if you don't make those adjustments and, and uh, that's that's what I love about it so much. You know, we talked about the li- the top ten list on Bass Fan, and and that number two through ten uh, is fluid. It changes more often. That number one spot seems to be carved in stone. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? And it, it's because guys uh, guys' performances go up and down. There's not always total consistency in, in fishing. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember back in uh, back in the early days, uh, you were called one of the three amigos with uh, MDJ, Mark Daniels Jr. and and Dustin Cannell because you guys travel together, room together, uh, did, did a lot together, and that's three real hot sticks putting their brains together to figure these tournaments out. And I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, we've had Dustin on uh, multiple times before, and he's a nice guy and, and, and a great stick. And uh, Mark Daniels the same way, and I think a couple of years ago, I, I thought he was going to zoom to the top of the uh, – uh, that bass fan list he he was winning he was top 10 in all the time he's cashing a lot of checks and mark kind of dropped off in my opinion now he just finished third to you in this uh, uh lake travis down in austin it was a good performance and you know he certainly is is a great fisherman has he been on a on a down cycle is there such a thing as a down cycle 
Um, I would actually say Mark. Personally, I you know I would say Mark is on on an upcycle. He got second place in a BBT last year. He's got a third this year. He made top ten in points. And I and I think this is is normal. Is is anglers we take a while to where we can become really consistent. So, you know, Mark, when, when I first met him, I, I could see Mark was really good at a handful of things, and he wasn't as, as well-rounded when he first started, which a lot of us aren't. We have to realize, when we have to hit that stick down and put that top one down for me, and pick someone else up and make adjustments. And I would say Mark's the most well-rounded now he's ever been. And, you know, obviously uh, the biggest thing that really shows that you know, just because obviously he won an elite event back in the day. I, while he he's really good on the smallmouth fisheries, he understands that. But he's also really added a lot of things to the whole deal. And I, I think he's he's willing to be working with no doubt. But I I think it's just a matter of time. Mark's going to win one here here in a long time because <laughs> he's just he's just that good. I, and, and the thing is, when you look at consistency, Mark's become a consistent angler. Um, you know, starting the year off strong, I think he's in top 10 in points. And when you look at a guy at top 10 in points, I'll take a guy top 10 in points all day long over a guy that's 50th and, and winning a tournament a year. Um, it's just how consistent he is. I think Mark's done a phenomenal job with that. I, I, I agree 100%. And, and you know, they, they uh, all, the circuits are for that fantasy fishing where you get to try to pick the winners. And I, I've played that game and not done real well. I would rather pick guys who I think are going to be in the hunt for angler of the year than guys who are going to be in the uh, in the hunt for a one tournament win because uh, I respect those guys that are angler of the year and and obviously I respect you and and you know we're talking Dustin is, a, is an angler of the year odds on favorite but but Mark too Mark is very consistent no flash but mm-hmm. he, he's always in the hunt absolutely you know there's those guys out there that are just that way you know I I, I look at guys that, you know, I, I even look at my career, you know, when I first started, I was, you know, 30th in points, 25th, and then I got right clicked, and then all of a sudden, I just became make, making top 10s every single season, and it just became the, you know, when you went out, you sort of, you know, expected to make a top 10, you were expected to do well, and I think the game mindset changes your viewpoint a little bit, you know, I think when I first started, I was more worried about making a check than making a top 10. And and now I'm not making a top ten, having a chance to win, and everyone making a check. So your mindset changes as you grow and mature as an angle. And I think that's the biggest thing that you see from an angle that's been out there for the first couple of years, from an angle that's been out there, you know, I'd say as a veteran, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years, starts to become a veteran. And then the situations are dealt with. Their mindset changes a ton. Excellent, excellent. Oh, I need to take a real quick break. Uh, let the uh, sponsors of We Fish ASA have a word. When we come back, we'll talk to Jacob Wheeler, number one bass fisherman on the planet, and we'll let him uh, tell us about his sponsors that help keep him on the water, winning all these tournaments. We Fish ASA, Steve Sarley, Dave Kranz. We will be right back with more Jacob Wheeler. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuable safe for the next adventure. 
Overboard Shorts from AFTCO. Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Sarley. Dave Kranz is my partner, but he's not in the studio with me. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. If you'd be interested in becoming an advertising partner of the We Fish ASA podcast, you can contact us through our website, wefishasa.com. We're easy to find on social media. When you see us on Facebook, please click that you like us, follow us, and share our posts. We appreciate all of your support. We appreciate being able to uh, jump on the phone and talk to a guy like the person we have on with us right now, the best fisherman on the planet. He is the one, the only Mr. Jacob Wheeler. Hey, Jacob, welcome back. Let's talk. Steve. You absolutely squeaked out a win uh, down in Texas on uh, on Lake Travis. Tell us how you won that tournament. Yeah, man, it was crazy. It was an absolute nail biter to the end. And, and you know, just sort of setting it up, I, my first day I, I was out there and I had 16 bass. I didn't really have a great practice, but I had a, I, you know, I had a little bit of a clue what I thought I'd catch a few fish doing. And I started that morning, ended up the first day of competition, I had 16 bass for, for 53, I think 11. I think I averaged it out. It was like about a 330 for every fish that I weighed in. So, which, which you know, Texas is known for good ones, but that lake's actually a very difficult lake to fish. Ten, a lot of the tournaments there locally take, you know, that 15, 16 pound mark to, to, to do well in. Well, I, I knew I was in a good quality of fish to potentially win the tournament. Um, and then the second day of competition, I, I you know, I, I qualified for the knockout round, went to the knockout round, which is third day of competition, and qualified for the championship pretty early on. I had seven pass for 23-something, and I was still on that really good quality. Um, my problem was is later in the afternoons, I was not catching them that great. I could not catch them in that third period. And the guys that seemed like they were down the lake, I was fishing up the rivers, and the guys down the lake really seemed to start to catch them late in the afternoon, late in the day, typically because that cleaner water that positions those fish a little bit better, it seemed to. Um, and so, like, you know, my main pattern was, was fishing boat docks. Um, and community docks, marina docks, with a vibrating jig, a white jig, um, and then, you know, sort of in between those, I'd catch them on top water, you know, and that was really my main deal, but that deal seemed to go away later in the day, and so sort of giving you guys a rundown of what went down. Um, you know, first period, and the championship round, I'm sitting there, and I'm up a, a little bit, 
I think I had like 13, 14 pounds. The second period, I had another solid period, and I'm still up. But those guys are, you know, they're, they're coming after them. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah. you're going to have to catch them in that third period. And I could hear Bobby Lane creeping up, and he was always right there just to hand a couple fish away. I was up four to eight pounds about the, mo- the most of the day. I was really up pretty good little bit. And then that third period came along, and of course, that was my nemesis all week. And I'm going to sit there trying to run around and make adjustments, and I catch one. And I catch another one with about 45 minutes to go to go up about eight pounds. So I'm like, all right, I think I might have done it. And we get down to about four minutes left, and Bobby Lane catches his, his, his uh, a fish, and he was only two pounds, two ounces out. And it was a two-pounder. And so I was, uh, I, I, was, I ended up holding it off two ounces, uh, closest margin victory that I've won, which, uh, you know, that was crazy, man. It was a nail-biter. I was super thankful to, to come out of there with the win. And I've had, I've been on both sides of that coin, you know. I, at the Super Tournament last year, I felt like the Super Tournament on Lake Erie, I, I lost to Lucas by one ounce, and then I, I won by two ounces. So, um, it, it happens, you know, and it, I'm super thankful for the way it ended up you know, ended up shaking out. No, I would say so. Hey, I got a, I got a question for you. Interesting. You said you were working, uh, you were working docks and, and the, you know, community spots available to everybody. And uh, you worked it with a rattling jig and then you come back and, and, and uh, throw a topwater. If you had done the reverse and started with a topwater and then thrown the jig, do you think that would have changed the way the fish reacted? No, it was really a uh, so I caught him on a like a chowder bait or a vibrating jig, and I caught him on a, like a swim jig as well. And so the thing was, I was using the top water in between the docks. Oh, okay, so okay. I was throwing the vibrating jig and the white jig, like swimming a jig around the docks, and I was making casts like you know up underneath pontoons and under you know really small tight little areas, where, you know, getting way back up in there. And the fish were high in the water columns in the mornings. And then it seemed like it just died in the afternoon, which I tried to adjust and sort of do some different things. Um, and I just never made that perfect adjustment. But it seemed like even just in that area of the lake, the fish seemed to get really tough in the afternoons. I don't know what it was, if it was from the pressure, if it was just the fact that, um, you know, what it just for whatever reason, they were really tough. So the key was to really make hay and catch a lot of those fish things in the morning because they're yeah. super susceptible to being caught with the low light and then actually my better topwater bite was in the afternoon when the wind got when the sun got up and the wind was blowing a little bit and that was the key i was chasing the wind and running around and trying to target the, the wind um windblown banks that really seemed to be you know those couple fish that i caught on the topwater definitely it was a huge deal but the majority of them came on the boat docks you, you had said you knew what bobby lane was doing um it's a different world out there with the uh, computers and, and, and being able to follow. Uh, every, everybody's got somebody in their boat reporting live what's happening. Is it an advantage or a disadvantage to know how the rest of the field is performing? Sometimes do you wish you could just come in and stand on the stage and they weigh your fish and that's the first time you know where you sit? No, I, I'm one that I love. I feel like as a uh, I feel like I'm, as an athlete competing in this sport, I, I feel like I that's the biggest thing I love about Score Tractor because ultimately I can look at that event and I can see where I'm at. I can make adjustments. If I need a three pounder to win the tournament, yep. I, I now I know what I need. I, this is sort of a really the big thing for me is uh, say say all right, LeBron James playing the finals and he didn't see this. He couldn't see the scoreboard. Do you think he would play as hard? No. 
you know, if he was down by five points or down by three. No, he knows what he needs. He knows he needs a three. He knows he needs a layup. He knows what he needs to control the game. And that's why I'm super big on, on, on that and knowing where you're at because that allows for you to make the adjustments. As a competitor, I, I, I just couldn't see it any different. Like, that is a huge deal. Yes, it's a mental side of it that it does take some out of where you have to mentally have to deal with it because you tend to rush a little bit more when you have that pressure, and you might not fish as good sometimes, but that's what's so good about it is, and what's so great, what I think is so great about Score Tracker is that you know where you sit and you hold your you hold your destiny in your own hands and how you do that day. I mean, I know there's several times that I, I've been fishing tournaments and I, and I fish both sides of it between five fish and every fish counts, and I love both. But I, I know there's several times that I come in and I'm like, man, if I would have just chill on that spot and, and just caught what I could, I probably would have won the tournament. Oh. But I, I thought I would need, I thought I needed more to win, and I, and I ended up not being that. So it's at those times I look at that and I'm like, man, I would have loved to know where I was at and the position where I was at to where I could make the adjustment. But uh, man, I, I, I enjoy it all. But that's definitely much rather know where I sit every day of the week than not know. Take a minute to. Mention a few of your sponsors that keep you on the water and help you do things like win $100,000 checks like you just did at Stage 2 at Lake Travis in Austin, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, you guys, uh, if you follow me on my YouTube at all, we have a lot of YouTube content that we, we run through. But obviously, Academy is a huge part of what I do day in and day mm-hmm. out, and I couldn't do without them. You know, Duck It Rods, Duck It Reels. I just came out with a signature series reel at Academy. It's an Academy exclusive that I was cast up underneath those docks. And that's a huge deal. I've talked about how free that reel is. And that's something that's super important when you're casting underneath boat docks. You have to have a, a good casting reel, real smooth reel to where you can make those casts. Um, and that was a huge part of that win. But, I mean, I, I could go on and on. Obviously, I have a lot of great partners out there, um, Real Tree Fishing, Toyota, Green Bay. It's a lot of different companies, Igloo. But, um, I, you know, they all they all are great supporters, and I truly appreciate each and every one of them. Very, very cool. And you're doing a great job for them. They're all happy that they hooked up with you uh, when, they, when they did. Uh, uh, probably a lot, a lot better having done it when they did it than trying to get on the Jacob Wheeler train now. You know, it's uh, very lucky of them. Hey, uh, <laughs> does, does does Jacob Wheeler have any superstitions when it comes to fishing on the water in the boat? Anything? You know, what's sort of funny is I I'm not a very superstitious person at all. And um, a couple years ago, all the guys and I we. We, uh, we started a deal where we had a, a teddy bear, we called him Ted, and we brought him in the boat and we'd have little bets, <laughs> like, hey, you get Ted if this happens, whatever. So then we came up with a, uh, we ended up uh, giving Ted away, and then we ended up don- and we ended up picking up a new stuffed animal, and it was a banana. And I'm not really superstitious about a banana at all, but there's a banana and we named him Jimmy Ding, like Jimmy Dean, but Jimmy Ding, because like we all sort of like the whole Ding thing and everything else. Jimmy Ding. So okay. <laughs> anyway, every time that I had Jimmy Ding in the boat, I'll, I'll put a banana in my boat, a real banana, no problem. Every time I had Jimmy Ding in the boat, it was a no-go. It never, <laughs> I couldn't catch him. It was everything. So it was all I could do I, about midway through the season, we all sort of agreed like Jimmy Ding has to go. <laughs> and that sort of that's the only superstitions I have is that banana right there the stuffed banana not the real one where, where is Jimmy Ding where is Jimmy Ding right now 
I, I think DC let a DC threw him over a dam or something. Oh, I'll be sure. gosh darn. That's amazing. I, I know I know your bio says you like to fish. Duh, that's a real tough one. But obviously, uh, you, you you like to fish in your non-tournament times. So you, you you fish for anything other than bass? Oh yeah, I, I love crappie fishing down here, down south. Like I get a chance to sometimes get a, get after those red ear when they're on the beds and catch a few of those nice nice bluegill, blue, big red ear. Um, and then every once in a while, I, even out here on the on the Tennessee River, I go catfishing. Uh, there's sauger and some walleye down here too. Oh my goodness! I really I mix it I mix it all up. I don't I don't get locked into any one particular thing. Obviously, I, I bass fish for a living, and I and I love bass fishing. That's my passion. But that's. Uh, I don't get locked into one particular species. I love catching them all. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. You, you ever consider maybe uh, doing something on the crappie tour, trying an event? Uh, I actually, a buddy of mine loves crappie fishing. One of my biggest mentors, Brian Wallman. Like we always play around, and talk about it. Like you know, maybe he's about doing the crappie fishing. And I just you know, obviously, I don't have a whole lot of time to do. I that. know, I know. That, that that's the problem. That, yeah, it's, it's coming to a deal. Like, I would love to one day hop in a crappie tournament, but that'll probably be, it, it, it probably won't be any professional crappie tournament. It might be one over here, a little, a little one over here. You, be, you better do it quick, my friend, because you're, you're getting old. Time is running out. How, what, you haven't turned 30 yet, have you? I just turned 30 last last September, so I'll be 31 this year. 31. So I got to okay. step my game up. <laughs> All right, you're you're even you're even older than I thought, man. The next time I, I have you on, I'll introduce myself. Didn't you used to be Jacob Wheeler? I'm yeah, t- I know, right? I'm, I know I'm old man. I'm, I'm getting to be an old man for sure. Hey, you know what? I'm you, getting up there. You broke the $2 million mark before you hit 30. That's damned impressive to me, and I can't imagine where your career is going to end up, you know, when, when we're doing these interviews 30 years from now and you're still winning tournaments left and right. It, it, it's an amazing career. Jacob Wheeler, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Say hi to the family. Best of luck to you. And Alicia, on that baby that's coming, uh, I think that's wonderful. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Keep winning, my friend. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks for having me on, buddy. The one, the only, Jacob Wheeler, best fisherman on the planet. Isn't that phenomenal? That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Dave Kranz visited with Trey McKinney, winner of the Bass Cat Classic on Lake Chickamauga. And I got to talk to the one, the only Jacob Wheeler, best bass fisherman on the planet. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. Take a look at that new Tatula Elite Reel. You'll love it as much as we do. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available wherever you get your podcast to listen to. We cover them all. Don't forget, you can also hear the We Fish ASA podcast at our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear or someone you think we ought to talk about. Let us know that, too. We answer all our emails. Let those keyboards rip. I'm Steve Sartley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing.
I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.